Hello and welcome to this episode of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway, and this is my third episode this week, a special one I'm bringing to you this Saturday because this episode is time sensitive. I have two creators on the show, writer John Sims and artist Lee Mailuski. You may have heard of Lee before. He has successfully funded and delivered other Kickstarter campaigns, and he's back now with his writer, John Sims, to talk about their upcoming Kickstarter campaign, Dissension which is going to be ending soon. So I want you to hear their message about the book, how it's being tied to a soundtrack, and what backers can receive. Now, of course, being Creator Talks, John Lee and I talk about many other things, including what they do for rest and relaxation, what book they would take on a deserted island, and their beverage of choice. So we talk a lot about their beverage of choice, mention some great brews you may be interested in, ones I haven't heard of, and also some movies from back in the 80s and 90s that may be on your bucket list. I know they're on mine. I wanted their input and feedback on the movies. So it was a lot of fun talking to them about those items that we digressed upon. But most importantly, I ask after you listen to our interview to please consider backing this Kickstarter. I've backed other projects of Lee's. I was very happy with them, and I have no doubt and complete confidence that John and Lee will deliver on their space sci-fi story, Dissension. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can visit Kickstarter, visit their project, and see for yourself. All right, let's get started talking to John Sims and Lee Mailuski here now on Creator Talks. John, welcome to Creative Talks. Thank you so much for having us. And Lee, welcome. Thank you for having us. And we're here today to talk about your Kickstarter, Dissension. And uh, this story is described as a Lovecraftian horror. John, what is it about the story, about the book, that makes it a Lovecraftian horror in your mind? I always found the H.P. Lovecraft stuff was more psychological and just the just diving into the inner psyche of like the human mind and... I've always been a fan of stuff like Alien, um, yeah, um, Mountain Madness and stuff. And I thought, you know, let's just do a basic horror story that's more updated. And I just really wanted to do something that would, you know, resonate with today's audiences. Now, is the story set in the near future, the far future, or does it even matter? Distant future would be the best way of putting it. And um, it really ties into the unknown, I guess be a way of putting it. You know, I did see elements in the preview art on the page of Alien. You mentioned Alien as being one of your favorites and John Carpenter's The Thing. And just the vibe I got off it, that sense of dread and impending doom. I'd be willing to bet that you rank high on your list of favorites, movies like Alien, The Thing. I was a huge fan of the script. Uh, I think it was called Dark Star by Dan O'Bannon. And it was just like, it was alien, but they explained how um, the characters could have been anybody. Doesn't matter if El Ripley was a woman, a man, black, white. It was just like, this is a scary story and we have to deliver it. And that's what I want to do with this. I just, I didn't want to put any, you know, with modern comics, I didn't want to put any political uh, context to it. I just want to say, hey, this is scary. Let's do it. So the basic premise of this, the crew of this ship, the Darwin, they arrive on an asteroid and they find a relic of some kind. It puts in their head thoughts of fame and fortune. So now there's a threat not only to each other on the ship, but also themselves by encountering this object. When they find this relic, 
we have the uh, the crew, the people who weren't even on the ground. They start telling each other like, "Hey, do I get a cut? You know, can I take this guy out of the picture to uh, you know better my chances of getting more money?" And then that creates paranoia, and it just really starts building from there and starts snowballing. So, like the horror element in this, much like something like The Walking Dead, not even so much the threats of the zombies in that case, the walkers, but what people do to each other to get ahead to survive, and in this case, to get a bigger cut. Yeah, absolutely. Walking Dead's a perfect uh, uh, representation of it. You know, um, I love uh, the zombie horror uh, genre because it really is. It's you know. Even though there's zombies everywhere, it still boils down to the human element. You know, who do I trust? Who do I, uh, you know, bring in that fold? Yeah, that's one thing I like about that show a lot is is just that the threat is there on the outside. You don't have to see it, but something where just the presence of that threat that's pushing in on the people and on society and causing people to do crazy things. And it makes me very nervous about uh, what could happen here in our society. Just if, like, we lose power, we lose the internet, what would happen? Would people just go nuts? I think a lot of them might. And this comic has a lot of that in, in, in you know, within the pages because the story here is that um, the uh, Earth discovers that iridium is the key source to space travel. It could be broke down to uh, fuel. And once they realize that we're out of it on Earth, they start jumping from, like, asteroids to nearby planets to... Uh, to keep expanding to find other worlds and they just you know the idea is like oh we keep going back to this you know to the well to make sure it's dry and then that's basically where the relic shows up they're like oh well here we are what other um horror and sci-fi do you like because i was looking at your uh project page and i was squinting and i saw like buffy there on the shelf and doctor who on behind you in the picture uh-huh. in the video <laughs> i'm trying to see what else you liked Oh my goodness, uh, that comic shelf, there's probably like three shelves below that. I mean, just uh, Hellboy is a huge favorite of me and Lee's. I just finished reading uh, Alan Moore's uh, Neonomicon. I just love horror in general, but the sci-fi horror element, uh, I just, I can't get enough of it. I don't want to leave you out of this. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first story that you've done set in outer space that you've illustrated? It is technically not. Um, I It was actually my first Kickstarter project. Uh, it was a a book called Tangled Weeds, um, that was kind of set in outer space, but I mean, there wasn't like legitimate spaceships or anything like that, but somewhat sort of like that. But yeah, this, this project is primarily my first real sci-fi outing. Okay. And that first Kickstarter project, when was that? How long ago? That was probably about four years ago give or take, something like that. So between then and now, there's probably been a lot of growth for you, both as a person managing a Kickstarter and as an artist. What's different with your approach to this book? Probably the main thing is that now I I tend to do most of my art digitally. Um, I used to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, physically drawing things, scanning them in. Uh, You know, that process alone can be a good hour for a page. Um, so, you know, between now and then I've, uh, kind of been able to cut down on time, but still get what I want across. And then obviously, you know, using, using reference online and all that has been a big help as well. Um, so yeah, probably the biggest, the biggest thing has just been switching from uh, traditional to digital art. So all the art for this book is digital. You have it on a hard drive. 
Exactly. Every single thing. Does that make you a little nervous just in case of a, a hard drive crash? I've heard it happen to people, but I'm sure you have some kind of redundancy and backup built in for all of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it does actually kind of freak me out. Um, but I, I have a, a Dropbox account that I have automatically, you know, coming out every month. So just to be sure. But yeah, I see more artists doing that, of course, switching over to the digital format. And um, do you have fans ever asking you for original art? And you say, well, I, I really don't. <laughs> you can't buy that page. It doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, physically. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a give and take because um, I use, you know, like I was saying, I, I always used to draw uh, traditionally, but I didn't, the, the amount of time that I can save kind of makes up for at like a, a traditional page sale that I may have. I miss doing that sometimes, but I don't really, I don't know. It, it saves me too much time to really be able to look back and, and kind of do that more nowadays. Oh, sure. And it probably saves you a lot of time having to revise things physically with erasers and whiteout. Are you still doing um, occasionally commissions or work with pencil, paper, colors, other things like, you know, physical implements to do your art? Occasionally, um, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very busy with client work, so I don't, I, I actually don't really do a lot of commissions. Um, if I did get them, I probably would do it traditionally, though. Uh, this is the first of three parts. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work involved, so you want to break it down, but is there a reason why you decided to go that route? instead of doing, say, a graphic novel one-shot. I originally pictured this project to be about 190 pages, and um, Lee, who is a veteran in the crowdfunded um, comic book uh, creating business, he um, notified me that it's just, in order to properly pay somebody to do something like this and to, um, you know, and, and, you know, just the, the payment alone and to do it right it's just it's unbelievable to without a name or like uh some kind of a, a company behind it it's just almost impossible to uh do it without breaking increments i guess it was easier to do it as 2500 for each part to pay for lee and our musician to do it rather than just say, hey, 10 grand, you get a huge comic, you know? You know, Lee's had experience doing these campaigns. Is this your first uh, campaign that you've done as a Kickstarter? Yes. I'm a uh, disabled Army veteran, and um, I was making a little bit of extra money after each month. And my last comic, Bitch Fist, I was paying my uh, previous artist, Jared Stokes, to uh, draw it for me and, you know, we did like 300 pages, but it took five years to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now I'm getting married, looking at a house, and it's just that I want to pursue creating comics, but I only want to do it for, for the fans that are interested in the work. So I felt Kickstarter was the best way to do it. And I worked with Lee before with the same previous title, Bitch Fist. And I just felt like it would be perfect to, you know, if this is something you guys want to see, we'll make it. If not, we'll do something else, you know, just whatever you guys want to hear or see. Well, you have a good partner on the book because Lee's put out 
several Kickstarters. In fact, a couple of them I backed and I have. Um, you know, the I know the last one I got from you was Hunter's Lure, the Herald's Ruin. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for backing that. And I'm looking forward to 1939, a graphic novel, the crime noir type book. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's just about there. So excellent. I, I, Absolutely appreciate you uh, supporting my work. You guys make a great team, and I think, you know, Lee, with your experience with Kickstarter, you'll be able to help John a lot. And John, you have a great artist working for you. Oh, absolutely, man. When I took on this uh, project, I knew he was second to none because, you know, as a writer, you want to go out and you want to write something that will benefit both you and your artists. Unfortunately, this also includes a musician. So I'm like, what can be best? Lee is sci-fi and fantasy. I'm like, let's just let's do sci-fi. Let's do some amazing story that no one's ever seen before. Now tell me a bit about the music artist who's doing a bit of a soundtrack for this, which is part of the Kickstarter campaign it can be for contributors. His name is Joe Malonic. His uh his artist name is called Noctilkent. And uh, he has produced some of the best, creepiest, atmospheric uh music i've ever heard in my life it's just he's just putting this up on youtube he has a Bandcamp uh page and it is just a phenomenal it's like dead space it's like alien it's anything you've ever thought of like with a creepy vibe to it it's phenomenal he's my words do not justify how great he is it is really great yeah, people can check it out on the Kickstarter page. There's a sample there they can listen to it. It is very creepy and very eerie and has that very outer space feel to it, if you know what I mean. Um, and it would be a great thing to listen to if you want to block out all the other noise and distractions while you're reading this particular book once it comes out. I think it's a very good fit. But there's no lyrics, you know, so you can really just – it kind of sets the tone and the vibe for the whole book. Now, how would contributors get a copy of the soundtrack? Is there a certain level they have to contribute to get that as part of the package? There is a twenty-five dollar uh, contribution where you can get the uh, six uh, EP track, which will follow through the entire first issue, uh, like on pace. And the thing with the comic is, is that we're going to make it a complete, like, multi-level. Uh, experience where you can visually uh you know audio um there's even going to be stuff in the comic where like there'll be codes i'm not going to say youtube but there's going to be so much stuff in there where it's just going to be a complete experience where you can just you know like uh like watchmen you can read it over and over again you'll find something new and that's what i'm trying to do with this comic as far as the music being synced up with the book now i've seen that done I haven't heard them myself, but I've seen it done with digital comic books because then you can just play it while the person's scrolling through. How are you going to manage to do that with the physical copy of the book? I mean, what springs to mind is those old film strips back in grade school where it would go boom and you would flip the film strip. Now, I probably lost everybody in the audience, but that goes way back. But how are you going to do this with the physical copy? It's going to be exactly as you read the comic. If, uh, like, the intro is going to have its own vibe, it's going to be way out there in space. You're gonna have like a full like separation of of your uh, of yourself. There's gonna be scenes inside the and the uh, the actual Darwin ship where you actually hear the pipes and like the actual long corridors. You're you're just gonna naturally feel it. And like I said with Watchmen, you're just gonna sync up to it. Or like uh like Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz. You're okay. like, yeah, it makes sense here. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
That's great. A multimedia experience with comics. That's fantastic. I like that. You know, I would usually ask, so what makes your Kickstarter different? Well, there you go, right there. <laughs> that's that's like, very different. And Lee, the cover is amazing. I love that cover with the the hands, the arms upstretched, reaching towards the sky as there are silhouettes of bodies falling from the sky. Yeah, it um it it pretty much just sort of was a, a I guess a progression of what me and John were talking about um for kind of how we wanted the uh the story to to pan out over several issues um but our initial idea is to have the cover of each issue basically grow into one another so when you would be at issue two, the cover for issue one and two would connect in some way. And then, you know, so on and so forth. Issue three would connect all three. Um, so I, I kind of knew that I wanted to go with a hand reaching up just because it is like a, a very it, it's a very cinematic story and, and creepy story and all that. Um, but it's also very personal with the individual characters. So I wanted to make sure that it had a hint of kind of all the aspects of what was going on, which a lot of it is really just, you know, the characters falling into insanity within those issues. And if all these covers are going to connect, is the final one going to have a reveal of some type? Uh, That's a good question. I guess we, uh, me and John just need to, discuss that a little bit more I, I have a few ideas but i'm not 100 percent on i guess me me and him aren't 100 percent on what it's going to be yet i've given lee uh full control of the artistic um of the artistic aspect of it and he is not disappointed since so i give him some ideas he makes it better so whatever we come across it's going to be amazing well thank you Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I trust that you're going to deliver. <laughs> Kickstarter is a good platform. It has not steered me wrong so far. I've always had plenty of success seeing the campaigns go through and getting uh, you know, the, the project that I backed. And if there's any delays, the people that I've backed, at least, have always communicated if there's delays, why is there delays, but they still come through. You know, So it's, it's, it's a really good platform to use, both for you and for the people that are doing the backing. <laughs> Because I see most of the money goes towards, I mean, you can see on the page how the funds get allocated that are collected. Not very much goes to Kickstarter. I mean, they want their cut, of course, for hosting it. But most of it's going to go towards paying artists and getting things printed. There's not a whole lot of fat in there at all. I mean, I wouldn't even say there's any fat in there at all. But it's very, very focused and targeted on what the funds need to be spent on to get this book out. I am not making any money off this. You know, um, I understand that people have talents they should be rewarded for their talents um lee uh joe Melonic and um and kickstarter are getting all the funds this is just something i want to i i have to give out to the people and uh if they want to hear if they want to hear it see it it's it's for them i mean i'm not gonna get any benefits out of them uh shelling out money for this project you're 46 percent funded you're almost there with a little more than a week to go, about 10 days. Now, by the time this gets out, it'll be less than 10 days, but there is definitely still going to be a chance for people to jump on board, check this out, and then contribute at whatever level they want to, digital copy, physical copy. And you also have 
some posters as part of the packages, part of the contribution levels from different artists. Now, John, did you get involved in that or is this Lee's idea to come up with these posters and who should do the posters? This was both of our uh, decision. Um, Most of these people were local artists from Florida. Uh, Jared Stokes, who drew Bitch Fist. Uh, Walt Osley, who did uh, Shiver Biru. He's a close friend of uh, Lee's. And um, Christopher Harris. He's from Missouri, but we worked on a previous project together. It just kind of fell through. And I gave him all the first bite at it. I'm like, hey, look, I'm doing this new project. Let's, Let's do this. And... There was no delay. It was just like, yeah, let's do this. It sounds like a great idea. Now, John, let me ask you a bit about your writing background. Now, you have contributed to other anthologies or submitted work for other anthologies, heavy metal included. Have you had any of your work published in those books? Unfortunately, no. Uh, Heavy metal, according to the website, is like a six-year it's a six-year wait. And if you don't hear from them, you're you know you're SOL. But uh, I've submitted a feature shock, uh, heavy metal. And whenever somebody on a Kickstarter or the comic book forum pages that I frequent, whenever they say, hey, we're looking for new work, if I don't hear back from them, it just means I just need to, you know, set my game up. But um, I am working currently on a, uh, a new project. It's based on movies from the 80s. So we're going to tackle Predator, Labyrinth, um, Top Gun, and I'm working on something there. So... That's something to look forward to. Oh, wow. Well, you're going to have a big audience for that. <laughs> I'm really happy to be a part of it. With your submissions, I know like sometimes you hear nothing, like you said. Have you ever received any feedback that was actionable, something you could do to improve your writing, anything that was helpful to you as you're growing as a writer? Unfortunately, no. I guess most people I've submitted to, they always say, like, you know, thank you very much. We're unfortunately not uh, accepting or we're – we're not interested at this time. Um, I have reached out to several and said, hey, what can make it better? Do you, I, you know, what would be different to uh, persuade you, but you never hear back from it? I mean, it just seems like uh, these people are, you know, they're over, they're, they are swamped with uh, submissions, so they don't have to explain their actions. Sure. No, I, I understand they are, they are probably just buried with emails and if people still make phone calls, phone calls. But uh, yeah, they're probably just getting inundated because uh, there's so many opportunities now. There's so many different ways you can get your work out there. There's so many different publishers now, but there's also self-publishing. You know, you can do your own yes. webcomic or like you're doing now, going through a Kickstarter campaign to get some funding and backing to help get this out physically in print. I think that, you know, a, lo- a lot of us grew up with, you know, heavy metal and and image and dark horse and all that stuff and i mean i i love so many of the the books that those companies put out um but at the same time i think that even those companies recognize that as an individual you know we have we have so much more opportunity nowadays to be able to do stuff um you know, I mean, it really is as simple as either drawing it yourself or going to Kickstarter and, and hopefully hiring an artist to draw it for you in that regard. So um, the way that I even got started was I was trying to hire an artist myself. Uh, and this was this is probably like six years ago or so, but um, I pretty much just wanted to learn how to draw and I did it. And then, you know 
I, I went through the process of trying to get in with companies and all that. And, you know, like John said, I never really had any luck, but I don't know. I, I really appreciate the Kickstarter community and being able to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's a great community. That's, I mean, that's all the feedback I've heard from the creators who are using Kickstarter. It's a great community. It's very supportive. And there's a lot of good projects out there. I mean, some are, you know, they're not that great, but they don't get funded. But the ones that are, they get funded. Or if they don't get funded the first time, they make it the second time. Maybe it just takes a little more planning on the part of the person doing the project. But yeah, I mean, a lot of good stuff comes out of Kickstarter, which is why I like to have guests on my show who have a project on Kickstarter, because I want them to get noticed. I mean, they have some really good work out there. People just shouldn't, I mean... Yes, they should go to the comic shop and buy their comics. Yes, they should go and read web comics. But look at everything that's out there. You might overlook something that, I don't know, is the next big thing. Or more importantly, it's just something that you would really enjoy and like a lot. You may like something on the newsstand. Listen to me, newsstand. Let me say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Time bubble. You may enjoy something you see in your comic shop, but... You know, you, you. I don't want you to close yourself off to other channels to read your comics. You know, support your local comic shop. But here again, you know, some of these folks might wind up in a local comic shop someday. But they have to start somewhere. They have to get their break somehow. And you can't always do it to the publishers because, like I said, you know, they're inundated. They get so so many requests to join. And this is a good way to get started to prove one that you can do the work, two that you can deliver, and three that you can build an audience that'll follow your book. Yeah, it's this uh, the online or the internet age. It, it's almost a, a oversaturated market. We do have so many great people coming out at one time that just want to create. I just feel that that's like one of the parts of it. It's like, hey, this guy's really great. This guy's great too. And next thing you know, it's like, well, what did I do that was wrong? And it's like nothing. It's just that this guy just kind of edged you out. You know, first and second place is a whole new ball game. It's true. It's so hard when I go to order my comics each month. Or I walk in there and I look at the rack and I go, okay, I'll take this. I really have to make some hard decisions because there's so many good books out there. And I want to read all of them, but there's two problems. One, money. It's very expensive if you buy a lot of books. And two, time. I don't have time to read them all. I've got like a two-week stack behind me I have to get through. And new comics come out tomorrow. It's just it's just difficult. Um, but I guess it's a good problem to have that there's so much good stuff out there. But the, the difficult oh, thing absolutely. Is the, yeah. I mean, it's just the creators getting heard. And you know, at least you have social media. You do have venues like this, like podcasts and a communities like Kickstarter to help, you know, support new creators and creators up and coming. So if you were to go to the store right now, who uh who gets your money? Like oh. creators. Oh wow. Uh I I well that's a very good question. I look through my pile of books and uh usually Cullen Bun's in there. Um, the Damned came out, I think, last week. Um, oh. <laughs> read that. Yeah, I mean, he's in there. Uh, a lot of stuff Brian Wood does is in there. A little bit of Bendis. Um, but a lot of the stuff I buy tends to be more of what you would consider the indie books. Like, I like some big two books. Like, I read Daredevil. I love Iron Fist. I still read Batman. Um, but I read a lot of image books because there's so many new things coming out of there. Uh, you know, read Rose. Uh, Redlands is coming out. Um, just, I, I, <laughs> I'd have to look at my list there's so much because I tend to draw a blank on this but there's just so many books I tend to lean towards now besides the superheroes that I grew up reading which is why I still read Daredevil, Iron Fist, Batman I tend to lean toward books that are uh, horror or they're crime noir or they're pulp characters like The Shadow for example I like reading that uh, one came out uh, a couple of weeks ago Betty Page 
it's kind of a 50s yeah fantasy story it's great uh so i have this really eclectic mix of books from superhero to horror to sci-fi uh hadrian's wall for example uh sci-fi book came out space sci-fi love it um yeah i all kinds but it's it's crushing me (laughs) i have so many books if you like crime noir have you read stray bullets i haven't that is definitely one you should read by David Lapham. It's really good. It's almost like on part like a Pulp Fiction comic. It's just it tells you crime stories and it just kind of jumps around. It's not in sequential order. It is, I highly recommend it if you can find it. Okay. Yeah, no, I've heard great things about it. And, uh, you know, when the cons come up, I'll probably wind up looking around. I have books from the last con I went to in Baltimore last year, Scalped. I have a hardback of Scalp sitting there I have to read. Someone said, you should read this. I'm like, I will. <laughs> It's <laughs> still sitting there. Not that I don't want to. I mean, there's a lot of books. I mean, I have uh, Bitch Planet I want to read through. I got the second uh, trade paperback for that. I get that one. Just haven't gotten to it yet. But yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful time to be reading comic books. Oh, absolutely. There's just anything and everything's available, whether it's be published or uh, online. There's just so much you can choose from. Yeah, I mean, there was a period right at the beginning of high school. I just kind of dropped away because the books you know the prices got outrageous they were up to like 50 cents oh my god i gotta stop that's, that's oh like, my god no, i was like that's it you know they doubled since i started so that's it i have to draw the line there i'm never going back well you know after once i got out of school then it was like i'm back you know <laughs> i couldn't help myself and i got interested again and ever since then i've really been excited to go to my local comic shop the day the books come out and pick up my stack and see what else i might have overlooked so I can pick up those books. It, to me, it's like Christmas Day every Wednesday. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Just get the time to read them. These are all fun things to talk about, and I have some fun questions for you that I ask all my guests. First, have you listened to the show before? Yes, sir. Oh, you have? Ah, then you were prepared, sir. Excellent. Yes, Caleb uh, Caleb recommended me to you personally, and I'm overprepared. Let's do this. Excellent. I until totally. late. <laughs> okay. Well, this is great. All right. All right. I have to think of some other questions. No, this is fine. We'll start with the ones I usually do. The first question, John, we'll start with you. When you're not working hard, what do you do for rest and relaxation? I love scotch and cigars. (laughs) Your answer is way more cool than mine. (laughs) I've heard video games way too many times in your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Lee, how about you? You know, unfortunately, it's video games and running. Good for you. Good for you, man. I try to run also. I do, but it looks really sad. I used to run a lot. I mean, and I think this one messed me up. (laughs) That's why I have a treadmill. Okay. Nobody has to say. Oh. (laughs) I can't run anymore. I just walk really fast. My back doesn't allow it. (laughs) Right. Well, hey, no, you're moving. That's great. I mean,. We live in a very sedentary, modern society. I sit all day at my desk. I try to get up and move around, uh, but it, it just oh, it, it drives me crazy. Um, so I try to do something every day, you know, in the morning before work. I can do it after work, but I just find I'm usually too tired. And I, I, I right. get, get it. And plus, things happen. Things come up, and you don't oh, see yeah. them coming, and then your day's screwed. So it's like, let me do it before everybody's awake, and it's done. Uh, my next question, you are on a deserted island, and you have one book you can take with you to read. I'll allow a set of books if they're all related in some way, like a series of books, Harry Potter, you know, Little House on the Prairie. Um, 
and it has to be a physical book. It can't be on a, a Kindle or an iPad. There's no power, so you're going to have to rely on the old pulp paper books. Lee, what would be that one book? Man, that's tough. Um, so did you say you can include a series? You can, yeah. If they're all like related, part of a set, you know, uh, Game of Thrones or something, like Lord of the Rings, that's fine. I'll allow you know, that. I, I probably would say Lord of the Rings. Um, I may also say the Hellboy series, but even that is kind of like wishy-washy because what do you kind of consider to be one of like part of the series? I don't know, but yeah, maybe some of the Hellboy stuff. That's a, that's a good choice. If I were stuck there, I'd probably, if I was going to take something that's a comic, I'd probably get caught up on BPRD. Cause I used right. to read a lot of oh, that. Oh, great comic. Yeah, no, I, that one, I do like the uh, Dark Horse comics and uh, Mignola's universe. Um, oh, um, Lobster Johnson. That's one of my favorites. I think it's coming out this week. Ooh. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, the other one they do too is the Gollum. I think it's the Gollum. Yeah, that one's on my yeah. pile to read. Yeah. Those I really like a lot. But BPRD, I could get caught up because I I've, I've fallen behind. Uh, most of that, and I, I would be disqualified because most of that I've read digitally and it's on my tablet, and there's still some there for me to read. <laughs> True. Uh, John. Your book. If I was to do a book series, I would do the L.A. Quartet by James Elroy. I would do L.A. Confidential, The Black Dahlia, White Jazz, and The Big Nowhere because I love that stuff. It's so fun to read. Wow, you've really thought this through. <laughs> this well, <is> I uh, <laughs> I have a uh, copy of L.A. Confidential that I I usually carry with me if I travel. Like I've been overseas, I've you know cross country, and just I always carry it with me to to read on the flights. You know, it's just. It's such a great book, and uh, I've read parts of Black Dahlia. I, I don't I don't read usually besides comic books, and uh, if I had to read those, and I was on an island, I wasn't going anywhere. I'm gonna read all of them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that might be your only chance to get caught up. <laughs> yes, I know. I read mostly comics myself. I do have some books I do want to read. Um, I was telling a guest on the show yesterday that I actually picked up a copy of Cosmos from the comic book shop. It was sitting there. It was one dollar. I'm like, well. <laughs> It's a dollar, you know, <laughs> and I'm reading the intro and it, it, it's, it's a classic. It's a little dated now. Um, you know, I, I'm reading and Carl Sagan writes that soon we'll be able to watch and record television shows on, 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 on videotape. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so cute. Videotape. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a great read. So it's one of those things I have by the bedside when I have a few minutes to keep my eyes open. I'll read some. Uh, now, John, I already know your beverage of choice. Unless there's another one besides scotch. Um, I love drinking scotch, but I don't. I just can't drink it all day. But I do love a Japanese lager. I love Sapporo. That's probably my favorite. Oh, okay. I've had that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, if I go to a hibachi grill or I'm eating sushi, I usually have that to uh, accompany it. So good. Oh, yeah. That's for me and my wife. That's date night. If we can get... The kids. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I had the grandparents watch the kids, and the sushi place is not too far from their house. We can maximize our time out, and we hit the happy hour, and we get the happy hour sushi, and then we get our beverages. And they always, you know, they look at me and say, "Dogfish." I'm like, "Yes, dogfish had 60 minute, you know, 90 minutes good, but I'll, <laughs> I won't be able to walk if I, I'll, I'll like fall off my chair if I have 290 minutes. That's too much. That's, Very 100, true. that's 180 minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it goes right to your head, especially after a long day at work. And you sit down and have one of those. Good night. Because yeah, you're, you're dedicated to your chair for at least an hour. And then by the time you get up, you're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, it does hit you hard, but I like it. But oh yeah, that's it's one of my favorite things to do. And we have a chance to slip out for some adult uh, time at the at a bar, which we don't get to do as much as we used to. Um, yeah, that's 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 a good one. Uh, Lee, how about you? Your beverage of choice? I'm definitely a, a fan of kind of like obscure beers. Um, one of the ones I don't I don't really know how popular it is, um, but it's called Skull Splitter. It's actually like a Scottish ale um, or a Scotch ale, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably my favorite. You know, you can go to Total Wine and buy type of beer. I like Total Wine. They're not a sponsor, but uh, hey, Total Wine. (laughs) (laughs) If I keep talking about beverages of choice, you know what, man? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I like to go in there too. And I go to my local liquor store, but I also go to Total Wine, not in the same day. It's not like I have a problem. But going to Total Wine is like a field trip. You just go in there and go, wow, look at all this stuff. You know, you can try new things you haven't seen before. Um, The name of the beer escaped my mind, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, but a, a friend of mine turned me on to this Icelandic beer. Oh, it, um, it begins with an E, I think. It's like the Viking on it. It's now in Yeah, tans. I know. I know, you know exactly what, I mean? what you're talking about. Yeah. It has like a blue label. Yes, yes. Yep. I not, I don't know what it's called, but I I do know what you're talking. People about. are people are now shouting <laughs> at their iPhones. Hey, I, I picked that up, and uh, my wife likes it too. And she does not like bitter beers like IPAs. Like if I buy IPAs, they're all mine. No one's touching my stash. But that one she likes, and it's a very refreshing and delicious beer. I like that one a lot. Uh, I actually uh, I looked it up. Is it Einstock? That's it. Einstock. That's yeah. the one. Yep. There you go. Very good. If people haven't tried it, it's a really good one to try. And I'm glad it's easier to get now that I can find it at uh, Total Wine too. Um, I was up in Lancaster last week. I think I mentioned it on the show, and I had to go back up that way again for work. Uh, actually in York, PA. So after I was finished going to work there and I was heading back, I knew where the local pub was that sold the Lancaster beers, the Lancaster Brewery beer. So I popped in there with my cooler and said, I'll take two of these, please, and uh, <laughs> brought them home because I can't, I can't get them here. Um, one of them is a pre-flight IPA. It's called pre-flight IPA oh, okay. with an airplane on it, old airplane, like from the 1940s. It's great, really good, really enjoy that. And there's like a German-style beer, which isn't as bitter. I thought, well, that's one for the missus. She'll like that. Uh, but in, but instead, she went for the Icelandic beer. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to try different beers. We like wine, too. We try different wines. We generally tend to stick with uh, a Cabernet or a red blend. That's what I like best is the blend. That way, everybody's happy. If you like my that. wife, my wife to be is a huge wine connoisseur. Uh-huh. And yeah, she's the same. She's the same way. It's like she wants to try new stuff, but she knows what she likes and she'll stick to it. Yeah, we're, we're that way with wine. We're pretty much we don't we don't usually deviate too much from what we like to get. Sometimes we just buy a nice bottle to, you know, just share and enjoy. And sometimes we're like, let's be economical. Let's get the box, the box of wine, <laughs> the Al Capone wine red. You know, that's, that's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> so you guys are more towards the reds? Yeah, definitely. Now, the only downside is when you spill it, it's a mess. White wine, yeah. eh, no one's going to know. But the red wine yeah, is like... Yeah, Mrs. loves the, uh, the, the, uh, the whites. She loves Riesling and, uh, and Moscatos and stuff. So oh, okay. I'm quite... Yeah, so when she pulls out the reds, you know, and after she's <laughs> indulged, I'm like, eh. <laughs> the Rieslings, they go well with spicy foods. Like if you like Indian food, they're they're kind of sweet enough. They'll hold up to a, a very spicy dish. 
I remember uh, when I had some Indian food at a restaurant once, very spicy. They they had a, a kind of a a sweeter red wine called Sula wine, and I've never been able to find that around. Uh, but it went very well with the food. Now maybe if I found it now, I'd be like, this is awful. But at the time, I was like, this is great. I've had that experience sometimes where I go to a vineyard and to their tasting room, and we'll be on a trip. And we'll try some of the wines. I'm like, oh, this is really good. And you always feel bad. Like you want to buy a bottle or two while you're there. You don't want to be just like in there paying a tasting fee and walking out. I just feel like it's rude. So we always pick something out. And we haven't gone to some like really nice vineyards, you know, where, where they where they really excel at the reds. Most of the places we've been excel at the white wine, like down in Virginia. They're very good with their white wines. But the reds, eh, not so much. And we buy it and we're like, why do we do that? Because <laughs> and the funny yeah. thing is, it'll taste it'll taste good in the tasting room. I don't know if it's just the experience, the ambiance, the excitement. I don't know the the number of places we've gone that day tasting wine. <laughs> we can't taste the difference. When we get home, it's like that's not the same. What happened? <laughs> Definitely the experience. Yeah, my um, my mom she travels a bit, and she'll bring in bottles from uh, from out of state. And uh, the first time she brought one home, it was it was just like, hey, here you go. This is like a a specific year, uh, you know, specific blend. Hundred bottles were made of this, and we're like, "Wow, that's pretty good." And then the next year, she's like, "Yep, this is the same bottle." And then and you're like, "Oh, well, this isn't so uh, yeah. <laughs> exclusive, you know?" Uh. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen. <laughs> that's why, at least with the beers, you usually don't go wrong. They're pretty consistent. Yeah, I was gonna say, Lee, uh, there's a uh, Scottish ale at at Total Wine that I've seen a lot. It has the Scottish flag on it. It's like blue and white, and it's like probably one of the best ales I've ever had. If if that's your uh, if that's your bag. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. It's uh, it's funny that we're talking about this because I'm actually I'm going there tonight. So. <laughs> oh, very cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I moved. I moved. So the closest uh, Total Wine for me is about 30 minutes, no matter where I go. So. Uh, very Saturday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, the Scottish ales are very good. I like those too. And uh, one of the ones I uh, enjoyed drinking, it's not Scottish, but it's uh, Yards, which is, um, uh, I think it's up in uh, Philadelphia, is uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, you know They have like the Yards Brawler, and they have some others that are very good that I like. Um, that seems to be right now what I have usually when I want just something nice and after work to relax with. But, uh, right. But not before a podcast. Podcast, <laughs> like I always say, podcast is coconut water. <laughs> there you go. Let me ask you, gentlemen, uh, what do you recommend folks check out uh, movie-wise? Oh, my God. Lee, I'm going <laughs> to show it right to you, man, because I got so much to say. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it, I mean, it totally depends on what what you're talking about, what you're looking forward to. Um, recent movies, is are you kind of talking like things that come out, that have come out in the last five years? Well, what I'd like to know about are the classics. So I don't get to the theater that much, the movies. Um, and I've seen the big ones that have come out, the Marvel movies, Wonder Woman, you know, all that stuff, Spider-Man, saw them. But I'm looking for classics, like 80s classics. There's a lot that I have not seen that I should see that are on my bucket list. Like I've seen bits and pieces of because it's always on TV, you know, TBS or something. So I'll see a little bit of Predator, but I won't see the whole thing. So, you know, anything over the past, like, you know, 20 years or so, what should be on my list? I mean, obviously Alien and all that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you've seen that, but... I have. 
Okay. One of my favorite movies is actually uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Great flick. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, the corniness of it, but the it, it manages to balance the the action and the humor and just everything that it wants to do. And I don't know, to me, that's, that's one of his best. So if you haven't seen that one, it's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming when it came out, it was a little bit more popular, but nowadays it's definitely kind of an obscure type of release, but yeah, that's, that's one I would watch. Well, I know it's out in comics now. It's been adapted for comics. It's been licensed. I can't remember. I don't know if it was dynamite or, but someone's licensed that. Um, yeah, it has been. I, I haven't read that, though. I haven't either. Has the movie aged well? You know, I watched it about a year ago, and I really liked it. I think it does. I think the special effects, you know, even with, like, all, you know, even with the lack of CG and stuff, it still holds up today. The practical effects, I guess, would be the best way of putting it. Okay. No, I, right. I actually appreciate that, the practical effects, because so many movies now are done with cgi and computerized effects i do like to see the ones with the practical effects now there is kind of a charm to it you know a, a tangibleness to it a groundedness to it i saw a thing right. the other day about tremors about how like that's probably one of the best movies ever made because of that it used puppets it used miniatures it, it was all practical effects and it went like everything like was spot on and it didn't have to rely on a computer at all now what was tremors what was that about a movie in the 90s where Kevin Bacon is in the middle of, like, I want to say Nevada, and these uh, monsters were under the ground, and they feed off your vibrations. So if oh, you walk in... Yes, yes, yes okay. there that, you go. Okay, yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah. It used to be on TNT or TBS, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. But yes, if if they felt your vibrations, they'd come out of the ground and grab you. And the whole movie was, it was just, it was puppets, it was miniatures... It was just like they did every trick besides a computer, and it worked like 100%. It's a great flick. That sounds really good. Yeah, I might have to check that out. John, do you think that that holds up now? Yes, Tremors holds up now by today's standards. Okay, I especially, haven't seen it in a few. Especially if uh, you're going you're gonna to sit down and take it for what it is. You know, because the special effects, they're, you know... You had that fine line where you walk in and go, wow, this looks too good, and this is too, you know, too hokey. And then it's like, wow, this is cheesy. But we know what we're getting ourselves into. Well, you've set the expectation, and that's okay. I think when I say it as a hold up, if it's a little cheesy, all the better. You know, if, if, if it gives me a feeling of nostalgia, that's fine. If I was to recommend you one movie, it's my personal favorite movie ever. It's Fargo. It is my favorite oh. movie ever. Okay. I have seen that. Very good. Okay. Yes. I saw Fargo in high school, and um, I was a huge Coen Brothers fan. My parents showed me uh, Raising Arizona. I started watching all the uh, obscure stuff like uh, Blood Simple, um, Hudsucker Proxy, a bunch of other stuff before they started getting really big with uh, Big Lebowski and stuff. But like Fargo came out, and I watched it, and I like I laughed and howled the entire time watching it. But I remembered the beginning of the movie. It telling us that this is a true story, and then I realized that people were murdered, and it's like, wow, this is really weird. I felt like, you know, the compassion level. I'm like, wow, this is really sad, and I, you know, it's just like the weirdest thing. Like the Coen Brothers made a perfect movie over the fact that it's like this is a dark comedy, but it's really not. This really happened. <laughs> oh, God. 
Lee, do you have any others I should put on my list? I mean, I love Kubrick. Clockwork Orange is again one of my favorites. Oh, I love um, that movie. Yes. I love that yeah. movie. I, I had my I watched it back in high school. I mean, not I wasn't in high school in seventy one, but I. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm just that. <laughs> I watched it back in high school, but it wasn't in seventy one. And then I, I showed it to my wife. I said, "You got to watch this," and she liked it too. I, it's one of my favorite movies. One of the ones that I've seen somewhat recently that I really, really enjoyed, um, and it kind of reminded me of. Sort of like a Kubrick movie was uh, Moon with uh, uh, Duncan Jones, I guess. Yes. I didn't see it. My wife saw it and she said it was very good. So that's something I should yeah. I should see. Yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, Moon's a good flick. I've been, as you've listened to the podcast, I've been binging. I keep saying that. I'm not binging. I'm pacing myself, but I was getting through Game of Thrones. And I did. And all in July. So um, I've been spending a lot of time on television watching a lot of time watching that kind of television on HBO. Is there anything that you're watching that's on television, cable? I don't know if anybody watches broadcast TV anymore, but you know anything that you like to follow? I actually do have a show that I would highly recommend. It's uh, Black Sails. I think they have it on Stars. Um, you can actually watch it on Hulu though. Uh, it's it's basically a prequel to Treasure Island, um, but it is not a Disney esque type of story at all um it's it's almost kind of like a game of thrones type of story but with pirates i'm down for that i could not recommend it enough it um i don't know just the acting in it is is some of the best i've seen on tv so very good john how about you i just finished uh, ozarks on netflix that's really good it's very similar to uh, breaking bad only instead of a chemist, it's a uh, financial uh, accountant. So he knows how to like move money around. So he gets with a mob and he has to uh, launder their money to uh, to pay off a debt. And it's pretty good. You know, he goes from Chicago to like you know backwoods uh, Missouri. It was pretty good. It's like ten episodes. Oh, okay, that's manageable. And uh, I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad and of course Better Call Saul. Love that. No, Great never... show, man. I oh, love Bob Odenkirk. So good. Oh, so good. You don't have to watch Breaking Bad before you see Better Call Saul. It helps, but you don't have to. And it's, I do see a difference in tone. Uh, it's a little little lighter, but you still, you know, bad things are coming. But it, it's a great show. Love it. It really kills me how uh, I love Michael McKean. Oh, and yeah. he is such a prick in that show. Yes. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I think of him in Spinal Tap. Yes, exactly. Which was one of those films that was on my bucket list. I never saw it when it came out. And then a few years back, my wife and I, I said, let's watch Spinal Tap. And we were like, that was really funny. I mean, I had heard some of the jokes when I actually watched it and the fact that it was a mockumentary. And they, and it kind of went through their history and they had all these old songs and new songs. I, I just, I, I want to watch it again. I've only seen it once, but I want to watch that again. I saw uh, Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer come down to St. Petersburg live, and they performed Spinal Tap and all their mockumentaries like uh, A Mighty Wind and uh, all their stuff. It was a great show. Oh, jeez. When was that? Was that like just a few years ago? Oh, last decade. I oh, God. <laughs> this is what happens when you get old. Was that like, like last year? No, Chris. That was five years ago. Well, like in the last decade, I was working at Blockbuster Video and kind of like living with my dad. So it was kind of like um, one of my best friends who was a manager at Blockbuster. He would just be like, hey, I'm going to go to St. Pete to see like MC Chris. 
I'm going to go see Reggie in the Full Effect. I'm going to go see Spinal Tap. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so I saw so many shows in that time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. So, John, getting married soon. What's going to change for you? Nothing, I, I, I think. Um, we've been together for uh, almost a decade before we decided to uh, pop the question. So I think besides the fact that we're looking at buying a home, we're renting currently. I still want to make comics. And if it takes me longer to, do, to produce, you know, to, to make sure the artists and, or whoever is, is contributing gets paid, uh, you know, so be it. And uh, your future wife is behind you 100%? Absolutely. She's actually, uh, this is her microphone. She's a, I want to say professional podcaster. She does a Dungeons and Dragons um, podcast that is doing really good. And so I support her with this and she better support me with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. It sounds like a match made in heaven. That is so important to have a partner that supports you. Because if I didn't, I could not do this podcast right now. I'd have two kids running around screaming. Ugh. I got two dogs. That kind of counts, right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It may, yeah, I, uh, they bark. Sure, it's it's difficult. Although I can't just let the kids out back, you know, to go to the bathroom. Uh, you have to <laughs> feed them, change them. All, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's not bad. It's it's not bad at all. It's, actually, it's a lot of fun. Uh, one is going to be six this month, and one is going to be one at the end of this month. And oh, very cool. Yeah, that's the six. Well, five was pushing around the one-year-old on a little Thomas the Tank car, and they were having a blast. It was great just to see the two brothers playing together. <laughs> it, it's all good. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Uh, they're great kids. And I have a daughter who's, I think she told me, <laughs> I think she told me, she's 24. She, she listens to the show. She's probably mad at me because I said, how many times have I said the wrong age for you? She goes, many times. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You left the house, you graduated, you can drink now. I just, I forgot. (laughs) Well, John, good luck with the marriage. John and Lee, good luck with the Kickstarter. Thank you. When people hear this, uh, there's only a few days left, so please back this project. Two great guys, a lot of fun, and talented. This is something you want to check out. This is groundbreaking here. There's going to be a soundtrack that goes with this, paced with the book. Don't miss it. Act now. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being on Creator Talks. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe. It's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media. I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod, that's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I'll be posting my recommended reading picks, as well as written interviews with creators. Also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. 
I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one, your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works, and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.